2020 has been a challenging year, to put it lightly. Everyone has been going through it, and through it, and through it again. We all have our own takes on what's going on and are responding the best we can. We here at San Francisco Influx wanted to reach out to influential leaders locally and regionally to hear about what their response has been from their unique positions and perspectives. On this episode of San Francisco Influx, we interview Fred Blackwell, CEO of the San Francisco Foundation, about how he's seen his role change during the COVID-19 pandemic and how foundations are answering calls for justice in both the public health and racial realms of America. I'm Chidak Bhakta with Mission Housing, and welcome to San Francisco Influx. Welcome to another episode of the San Francisco Influx podcast. My name is Julio Lara. I am the producer and also the senior communications manager at Mission Housing. Uh, we want to thank you for for joining us. And by us, I mean uh, giving it, giving it another go for season two. Is the host of the podcast, Mister Shirak Bakta. What's up, Shirak? What's up, Julio? Little different setup. It's it's a different setup than what we're used to. Uh, uh, Usually, uh, Shira comes on and he's like, "Hey, uh, we're recording live from the Mission Housing offices on 16th and Valencia." (laughs) 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 But we can't do it this year, or in general, just because you know uh, all the pandemic stuff that's been going on. So we're we're on a little bit of a of a video call, and we appreciate everyone joining us for for another episode of of the podcast. How's it feel to like come back after you know a year? I gave you a break. I gave you a really long break. <laughs> uh, Don't say that you, I wasn't nice because I was really nice. You know, I could have been nice. like, hey, we need to record. We need to record. And you're like, no, I can't. To I be can't. fair, in the beginning of this pandemic, we were trying to get some recordings in. But clearly the COVID-19 into COVID-20 had a lot of different plans for us. So, I mean, you know, it feels it feels good, I guess, to be back on the mic. It's, it's different because I'm at home by myself i'm not in a room with with you know with with you and with the person that we're talking to and so you know like that's like the 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 experience is different the the vibe is different and you know sometimes i mean obviously after like months and months of doing video calls you get into a little bit of a groove but it's not it's just it's hard to feed off of the energy or reaction of someone when you're just not in the same space as they are right and i'm sure that's a that that's a thing that's being faced by everybody right everybody general people every day um and for us with the work that we do here at the podcast trying to talk to people bring you know bring them over to our office um and you know and having these recordings in like our back break room or in our conference room or in our our or or, or in our supervisor's our office, office. Yeah. <laughs> yeah like that's like that was part of the that was part of the experience you know come onto our podcast come into our office come into the office of an affordable housing developer in the mission and let's talk in the small break room right <laughs> and you know like let's talk shop let's talk gentrification let's talk frisco let's talk art police brutality activism all that stuff but you know, it's it's a little different now. Yeah, we want to thank everyone who's supported the podcast so far. Um, you know, we've exceeded a lot of our goals when it comes to listenership, and we appreciate everyone who shared. And hopefully, it'll continue for season two. 
Uh, we've done an episode for season two already. We talked about the census. Um, um, and that was very shout out to well. guest host Julio Lara on the yeah, yeah, that for that fun. one in we Spanish. A little, little Spanish touch to it. Um, shout out to the LCF, uh, to the Office of Civic Engagement and Immigrant Affairs over in San Francisco. They were very, very uh, supportive of the episode. Um, so, but I think uh, for season two, we, we, in our defense, we did do a lot of planning and our planning continues for season two of the podcast. One thing that came up really early, which is what your guys are about to listen to, listen to uh, right now, um, is a series of interviews that we wanted to do, um, which are still relevant. It's just a matter of like the timing has, the timing of it isn't one where um, it's something that's at the forefront of the headlines, which is actually a good thing, I think, in a lot of ways. Uh, But also very important that we have conversations like this when, you know, the situation and the political climate and the social climate isn't boiling hot, right? That we're still able to maintain a steady uh, stream of conversation around this topic, and I'll let you talk about it more because I know this was a, this was your idea, and uh, I want to give you the the mic to to talk about it a little bit more. Yeah, you know, just just to put it simply, you know, it's there have been a lot of seismic shifts in how how we do everything basically um uh this year um you know and this idea was sparked by the shifts that were happening not just in with with the global pandemic but also but also with 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 the fight and call for 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 racial justice earlier this summer um and and you know and some of the continuing work that has that has come from that but the idea here was look you know because things are shifting so much, we wanted to have real, you know, conversations with people in real time and how that shift, both with COVID and with racial justice, is changing how people are seeing their work and 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 how people are funding the work that's happening, right? And so, you know, it, it was natural for for me at least to have the first interview be with Fred Blackwell, CEO of the San Francisco Foundation. Because he's someone who who really is at you know I think maybe the 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 you know could be in in a bit of the center of this right he's someone who is who is social justice minded who's at the head of a large influential foundation and therefore has access to a lot of money and then therefore can fund a lot of the grassroots work that are needed for structural change right and so and and, and on top of that you know. Him, he, he himself holding that position while being, you know, uh, uh, while being a black man in America also has um, also has some, you know, some level of significance there. And that, and that also provides a level of perspective that otherwise just wouldn't be there. Right. You know, experience matters in this case. And with everything happening um, uh, in the country and really around the world right now, like that, like, you know, one thing that I wanted to see was like, like, does that experience then shift into how the work happens at times like these, right? When, when it might matter, you know, let's say the absolute most. Um, and so, you know, that it was kind of the spark, you know, we have, we, we have and had, uh, you know, a few people on our interview list um, that we're hoping to get and, and do and, you know, and, you know, continue this, right? Because it's 
like a lot of this stuff is evolving. A lot of our response, reaction, and our you know our our our, our pushback um, is 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 evolving, and you know it's we're we're, we're likely going to be in at the very least in this COVID phase for maybe another year, you know, around the world and in the country, who knows even longer, and so, um, and so. You know, and so with that, it's like the, the, the it's going to be important for us to see how this has changed the way things happen, and how and 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 like already, and how things are still changing. Yeah, and like you mentioned, I mean, we we have a wish list of people that we hope will come on and help us sort of move this this uh, this conversation forward. Uh, but for now, we hope you enjoy this interview with Mr. Fred Blackwell, the San Francisco Foundation. Um, and like I said, please like, share, uh, subscribe to the podcast. Um, so without further ado, please enjoy this. Interview. With us today, as mentioned in the intro, is the CEO of the San Francisco Foundation, Mr. Fred Blackwell. Uh, we will get into his perspective of the moment we are in and how he sees his role as a funder in these times. But before we get into our discussion, some housekeeping, a quick reminder, San Francisco Influx podcast is available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Podbean. If you like what you hear, please hit that subscribe button. We would greatly appreciate it. And with that, I want to welcome Fred Blackwell to the show. Hello, sir. Hello. Uh, thank you for having me. Pleasure to be with you. Thank you. Uh, the, thank you so much for being on. Um, virtually, we're, we're doing this via Zoom. Um, so thank you so much for making time. Uh, I want to, you know, kind of get right into the discussion. Um, you know, a couple yeah. of the reasons myself and our producer Julio wanted to talk to you about this moment of COVID aligned with, you know, real hopeful shifts in structural racism in this country is both because of your professional role as someone who funds movement work and COVID response work. And quite honestly, yeah. personally, as someone who is a man of color, a black man in America, um, and I was hoping, yeah. you know, we could start with you sharing your thoughts, your reflections on this moment, what's possible, and, you know, what needs to happen to make what's possible a reality. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously, you know, I'm stating the obvious, but the last uh, few months have been um, really intense. And um, to be really honest with you, I have a kind of love-hate relationship with the, the moment that we're in and where I hope we're going. Um, on the hate side, you know, it's uh, once again, uh, whether it's the um, direct health impacts of COVID-19 or the indirect economic impacts of the closures and the stay-at-home orders and all that kind of stuff, um, Black, Brown, Southeast Asian, Indigenous folks uh, are once again uh, on the short end of the stick. Uh, you know, I don't need to recite all the data and everything, but we, uh, it's been easy to see that uh, the folks that we care about and the communities that we're in have been disproportionately negative impacted by uh, all of that. And then, you know, as we were all sitting at home and trying to be responsive as we could be to uh, that moment and that reality, um, you know, we got hit with all kinds of other stuff. We got uh, hit with uh, a white woman 
uh, in Central Park, uh, calling the police on uh, a gentleman who was there watching birds, who was African-American man. And uh, she was clearly weaponizing the, uh, the police system. And, uh, and then after that, we get George Floyd and a number of other um, just murders and uh, just public murders of uh, black men and women. Um, and just uh, all of that for me has been frustrating, uh, maddening. Um, it's been emotional for me. There have been times when uh, I've barely been able to you know, get myself together to get the work, much less uh, lead a, a community foundation. So uh, that part has been hard. Uh, but the part about it that I love um, is that it feels like uh, folks, and particularly young folks, have stepped up to say enough is enough, uh, and that uh, folks have had it um, with the state of affairs and the fact that uh, these systems, whether it's the health system or the economic system or the criminal justice system or law enforcement, keep producing poor outcomes for our communities. And, uh, you know, I've been professionally engaged in this work for a long time and have been, you know, making speeches and writing statements and uh, pulling together data and pulling together meetings and showing up at city council meetings and all that kind of stuff. And I, I just feel like uh, what's been wonderful is that um, in just a few weeks, uh, the outrage uh, that pe everyday people have expressed about the moment uh, has done just as more, just as much, if not more, towards achieving racial equity uh, than all that other professional stuff that's uh, uh, been kind of uh, put out there in the past. And so I am, um, I love that part of the moment. Um, I'm optimistic around uh, what it can turn into. Uh, and I am optimistic that it is more in a moment. I mean, uh, it's already a different moment. Uh, you know, I uh, was at, uh, well, just out of uh, undergraduate school when uh, the unrest occurred associated with Rodney King. And, you know, I grew up in Oakland in a family of people who are really active in the community. And so I've seen uh, flashes before uh, people being uh, upset uh, and people taken to the streets. Uh, but what I haven't seen uh, before uh, is the amount of openness um, right now to a different kind of conversation. I've never seen um, uh, white people challenging each other uh, the way that they are right now mm -hmm. to get uh, educated on uh, white supremacy and anti-blackness and concepts like that. Um, I've never seen uh, the kind of environment where the concepts of anti-blackness and anti-indigenous and white supremacist uh, culture have been so freely talked about. Uh, and grappled with. And so I think we are currently in a different moment. And I think the question for all of us uh, is going to be, how do we turn this moment and what's different now into the kind of movement that it'll take to make long lasting change? I mean, we, it took us a long time to get to where we are. Uh, it's not going to be something that we're going to get out of overnight. It's not going to, you know, even uh, new initiatives, new programs, even the infusion of new money. Um, is not going to take care of this. It's going to have to be a sustained effort, and that's what I'm hopeful uh, can occur right now. Definitely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely, you know. Thank you for that perspective. Um, you know, as you were speaking, I was I was actually reminded of that one quote uh, where it says, you know, there are decades where nothing happens, and there are weeks where decades happen. 
um, which is, it's, it's attributed to Lenin. Um, and I actually, I heard it down at Presida Park where, uh, you know, local, local just social, social justice advocate Equipto, um, actually, actually I'd mentioned it at a rally and it definitely resonates a lot right now in terms of we are in the weeks where decades are, are happening. Um, absolutely right. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. At least in terms of the, you know, in terms of the, the, the possibilities of what can change. Obviously, a lot of decades happened where, you know, power needed to be built. And without the movements of, you know, a few years ago, a few decades ago, we wouldn't be at this position um, at all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, kind of going off a little bit of what you're saying, um, you, know, is, you know, is there or will there be an intention on, on your side as a funder um, to fund movement work, grassroots organizing and advocacy Specifically for systemic change, um, specifically for structural shifts in 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 the current society we have, you know, not just political, um, but also economic. Um, is that something you are, yeah. you you know, you all are looking at um, to fund? Yeah, I, absolutely. I mean, uh, as you probably know, about four or five years ago now, we completely reorganized the San Francisco Foundation under. New North Star about creating uh, a different, a higher level of racial equity and economic inclusion here in the Bay Area. And, uh, a part of that reorganization was uh, the creation of a whole uh, body of work that was really about um, building more political power and civic voice among low-income communities and uh, communities of color. And, uh, you know, that work is work that we've been engaged in now for a long time. Uh, we've talked a lot about the fact that uh, in order to achieve racial equity, it requires an investment in uh, programs and, and at scale, but programs at scale and services are also insufficient. And if there's a really a need to focus in on advocacy and policy and systems change. And so um, we're excited uh, about the, the opportunity, frankly, to invest more in movement building uh, invest more in the structural issues and address, uh, uh, invest more in uh, the kind of um, kind of core uh, aspects of it, and the root causes of the inequities that we're seeing in the streets. And we've got a really unique position uh, in, in this whole thing because we uh, had two lines of business at the San Francisco Foundation. One is, you know, our own grant making and what we do with the foundation's endowment. Uh, but then we also uh, are the home to donor advised funds. Uh, and so I also think that we have a role to play in bringing these issues to higher relief for donors at the San Francisco Foundation and also helping them help, help to educate them about the need to invest in movement building and power building in addition to the kind of service and programmatic things that they are uh, traditionally engaged in. So I I definitely see, definitely see us uh, staying engaged in that. And just to put a finer point on it, uh, we also see ourselves being uh, invested in organizing advocacy, leadership, specifically in uh, and with um, organizations uh, that are led by people of color. Uh, I think that um, in order for this stuff to uh, really take hold and have the kind of impact that we want, it has to be the voices of the people who are most impacted uh, that are heard the most around this stuff. And so we're looking forward to that as well. Indeed. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's something that, 
you know, I wanted to bring up about seeing at the, at the San Francisco Foundation, um, something that, you know, I'm not necessarily sure is, is reflective of other foundations, but, you know, there are a lot of people of color who work at the SF Foundation. And, you know, with, with, with my interaction, you know, for full transparency is probably a good time to bring up, you know, you all, ha- you all mm-hmm. came into the mission um, a few years ago to, 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 to invest the, the, the Koshlin Fellowship in the neighborhood mm-hmm. again. Um, and, 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 you know, and, and really, you know, give a space for the organizers to, to have a solution to, to what's happening and then fund those ideas and kind of fund what, what people on the ground see as, as, as the solutions. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's definitely an example of that. Um, and having, you know, I think, mm-hmm. you know, kind of going back a few years, you know, do you think that without the representation of someone like yourself at the top, um, and, 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 and kind of down the line, you know, who, you know, who you have in certain positions of power, um, at the foundation, yeah. do you think that helped kind of either spearhead or start, um, and then really kind of give teeth to, to, to strategic words that are, that were said a few years ago? Um, you know, like, is, is it important to have that, have that representation? Um, and, 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 and yeah, how uh, has it like, you know, how has it come through? Yeah, I mean, um, first of all, thank you for um, noticing that. Uh, as you probably know, it's not the kind of thing that happens by accident. Um, we have been uh, very deliberate about um, recruiting in a certain way, um, being emphatic about the fact that we wanted to see uh, a diverse organization. We think that, uh, you know, having people in philanthropy that look like the folks that, who are in the communities that we serve is, is really important. Um, but, you know, I would also say one of the things that we've learned uh, is that uh, diversity is kind of prerequisite for uh, equity, um, but diversity doesn't necessarily equal inclusion and equity. And so we've had to be um, really uh, deliberate, and we've been doing a lot of work over the last couple of years to make sure that we have an internal culture uh, and environment that is commensurate with the ambition that we've been articulating in terms of achieving equity uh, in the region. And, uh, you know, that is uh, not easy work. It, it requires all of us to uh, look in the mirror, uh, understand our own uh, biases, our, own, our very own uh, blind spots. And, the, you know, one of the things that I always say is that, you know, one of the um, things that we all have to do as a society is get a lot more comfortable with the discomfort uh, associated with these conversations about race. And so I say all that to say is that, you know, we made a lot of uh, progress and uh, we're very proud of uh, what we uh, have been able to do so far and what our staff looks like, but uh, by no means do we think that uh, our work is done and uh, we continue to grow and evolve and uh, I continue to uh, make, st- make mistakes and have my staff call me on it and try to correct it. And, uh, so it, we're still on the journey ourselves. How hopeful are you that 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 level of discomfort will actually lead to 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 positive um, systemic changes? Um, I, I'm like, I'm like not not just person. for you, but I mean also for the for the general not public. Yet. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm an optimistic person. Uh, and so uh, I believe that the moment that we're in is going to turn into a movement. Uh, I believe that um, 
the way to do that is by um, having tough conversations and educating ourselves on uh, issues that, frankly, we don't get educated on through the uh, educational system or just your every day watching the TV or the news and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and I think that uh, um, particularly young people um, are not just ready for change, but demanding change. Uh, and that all gives me um, a lot of a lot of hope. It's not going to be easy. Um, there's going to be a lot of emotion. There's going to be a lot of anger. Uh, there's going to be pushback from some segments of the community. Um, but as much as I um, kind of challenge this country uh, along with others to live up to its uh, ideals, uh, I see progress in this country as well. And this is an area where I think that we are um, headed to um, a different place and a higher ground. Um, but it's not just going to happen um, because of the, the protests and stuff. We all need to uh, think about our role uh, in making sure that this is something that leads to something greater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's definitely going to take a lot of work um, externally and internally. Definitely. Um, That's right. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, and then, you know, kind of, we, I think it's going to be hard. I mean, it's, we're seeing it right now. It's very hard for this country to excise the, the demons, um, even politically, and then, you know, excising that oh, yeah. you know, from old truths. And now it's, That's right. yeah. You know, I, I just want and to the add thing a little... that we have to be. Yeah, and the thing that we have to be careful of, yeah, the thing that we have to be careful of uh, in the nonprofit sector um, is to um, not over-professionalize this stuff or find ourselves um, in a position where um, we are uh, muting or adjusting uh, the language that has been used up until this point uh, around freedom and liberation and justice. Uh, you know, I, uh, I often get uh, discouraged um, when I see uh, folks um, kind of questioning the language, for example, around defunding the police or police abolition and that kind of stuff. Um, because, you know, I understand where folks are coming from in terms of wanting to soften the language so that it's more palatable. Um, but, you know, I think we've reached a point where um, if we're choosing uh, to um, curtail the language, soften the language, um, um, make it more palatable uh, so that uh, certain people are more comfortable with it, um, then we're choosing their comfort over uh, black and brown justice. Uh, and I think that the nonprofit world has to be very careful um, about this as we step into thinking about what the professional role is vis-a-vis -vis and in relationship to, to folks who have been on the ground screening for justice and working on these uh, issues for years. That is, that, is a, that is an excellent point. I'm actually really glad you brought that up. Um, yeah, I mean, it's 100% it's true, you know, um, in terms of, you know, nonprofits either, either co-opting or, or trying to, you know, try, trying to make movement work fit into deliverables and 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 you know certain like numbers that we have to hit um and and that those being measures of successes instead of real structural change for people being the measure of success um, so that's right and part of that is on us and philanthropy mm -hmm. yeah 
I agree. I mean, so is, is this, yeah. is, is this something like, is, is, is this a message you are, you are telling other people at other foundations? Are you seeing a change in how other foundations are making funding decisions, how they're structuring their grants so that, you know, so movement work, which doesn't fit into the, you know, into the nonprofit slash professional, you know, into, into some of these categories, mm-hmm. you know, is this something you all are talking about? And then is this an idea that's trying to, is, is it spreading within the, you know, within people who, I mean, quite honestly, for better or worse, you know, funders exist and are important to this work right now. Yeah. Um, and like, is like, is that changing to something that actually supports real deep grassroots movement work and not just the nonprofits that kind of show up at the grass tips? Yeah. And, I would say that, uh, yes, those conversations are happening, but at various levels of intensity. I mean, you've got over the last few years, a few foundations that have emerged to really boldly speak out on issues having to do with race and equity and, and justice. And those, uh, that constellation of foundations uh, have been having really, I think, really uh, good uh, conversations about this kind of stuff, uh, doing work differently. Uh, and so I would say that's one category. Then there's another category of foundations who are kind of intrigued by this stuff, a little bit scared of it, uh, but want to learn more and want to get into it more. And they're having conversations about directing dollars to new funds and things like that. And then you've got uh, uh, a large number of foundations in this country that still are afraid to think about and fund race and power and movement building and that kind of stuff and we got so we got to bring those folks uh into the to the, more into the deep end of the pool so to speak um but you know i would i'm optimistic around the conversations that i've been in and i think that there is a, a growing number of foundations that want to move uh in that direction and are trying to figure out more importantly how to move in that direction together because uh, i think that that is uh, where the power is when you start to see a a critical mass of funders start to move in that direction. And frankly, that will give cover to others who uh, feel like they uh, need more cover in order to get there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Okay. That, that's, that's good to hear. Um, are you, are you seeing, uh, are, are, so, you know, funders can only give out the money that either it's in their endowment or that they're getting from their donors. Um, are you yeah. seeing any any pressure or or reluctance from from folks who are donating? Because um, you know, I mean, honestly, people who are giving high levels of money to foundations, you know, for whatever yeah. it's worth, are folks who you know who will be the target of of some of the advocacy, who will mm-hmm. be the target of a lot of this. You know, a lot mm-hmm. of foundations are shelling out or or have you know within their endowment a lot of old white wealth. Um, that's right. And like, you know, for, 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 for a lot of people that shouldn't exist. Um, and so, you know, Mm -hmm. for, you know, funding some of this work are, you know, are, are, are donors, you know, are they, are they, are they, are they, are they, are they pushing for it or are they, are you seeing a little bit of reluctance from there? Yeah. I mean, what you have hit, uh, hit on there is the, the irony of working, uh, for, uh, a foundation, uh, you know, it's on the one hand, uh, you feel like you're um, making investments or spending money for good, but then on the other hand, uh, the very pres- presence of those resources to be able to be uh, distributed like that are because of inequalities and inequities in our 
economic system. And so that's the, something that I think is all important for all of us funders to reconcile, number one. Uh, number two, I think, you know, it's an interesting moment. Uh, you know, I, what I've seen is um, some uh, wealthier donors who have definitely been on the side of more money needs to be spent, more money needs to be uh, going out the door, particularly in the COVID moment when uh, the, the need for relief was really clear. Uh, it continues to be clear uh, in the need to uh, invest in the health system, uh, to augment uh, government investments, and to invest in the, on the economic side to shore up uh, folks who are really challenged. Uh, I saw a lot of um, uh, interest in increasing spending there. Um, less so, though, uh, when we start to talk about movement building. Uh, and power and the, the change of structure. So, I mean, there's two dimensions to this, right? There's like, yes, folks need to spend more money. Uh, and there's that aspect of it and those people who are advocating for that. But then there's the nuance of it in terms of more money on what? Uh, are we talking about more money that's just going to go to museums, the opera, the symphony, uh, people's alma maters and hospitals? Or are we talking about more money in the system that's going to go to you know, organizations led and working in uh, communities of color, uh, addressing some of these really stark inequities? And I have seen less on that latter side and plan to spend a, a lot more time uh, over the next uh, few months really challenging uh, colleagues to step up on that side uh, of the ledger. Okay, uh, we will likely have to have a follow-up conversation on that piece. It, you know, we definitely would love to, to see what the outcomes of those conversations um, will be. Um, but with that, we definitely want to thank you for your time, for the optimism, for the perspective. Uh, definitely always appreciated from you, Mr. Fred Blackwell. Um, just another reminder, this is San Francisco in flux. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and Podbean. If you like what you hear, if you enjoyed our conversation and discussion, um, please feel free to hit that subscribe button. I um, want to give a last thanks to Mr. Fred Blackwell, CEO of the San Francisco Foundation, for joining us today. Um, and I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it, this is going to be interesting to track. Um, from, yeah. you know, from where totally we've agree. been, where we're at and like, what's, what's going to happen and what's going to, you know, what's going to need, need that, um, uh, the monetary push to, you know, to really, to, you know, to really make true the structural change a lot of people are calling for. Um, definitely want to thank you for coming on the show, um, and for the work that you thank do. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Yeah, of course.